Welcome to the Business Done Differently podcast, where we believe whatever is normal, do the exact opposite. And that standing out is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. All right, today, finishing out season three, Business Done Differently. Excited to come full circle. First episode of season three was with our president, Jared Orden, and sharing our fans' first experience. And now, by popular demand, I am bringing the head coach of the Savannah Bananas, Tyler Gillum. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jesse. Let's bring it down. Last show of the year right here, (laughs) that's pretty big time, so I'm going to try to bring the heat. I'm excited to have you because when we host our workshops here at the stadium, everyone gets so excited for the last day because they want to see, how do you get the buy? from the players? How do you get the culture? How do you get everything to work? Because we do so many things. And I want to take a back a little bit to get to know your background. Because before we get in that, today's goal is with Business Done Differently, it's to share kind of how anybody can get this buy-in, this culture, and the things that you do from a coaching standpoint that translates also to a business standpoint. But, you know, obviously we got connected almost three years ago, but I want to hear a little bit more about your background, your influences, because I think the first time I saw your video, I was like, this guy's it. I didn't even pay attention to a lot of those things. So share a little bit quickly your background and how you learned your coaching style. Yeah, so from Aid, Oklahoma, small town, grew up kind of on the rodeo circuit, really. My dad was a bull rider, and we used to go to rodeos all the time. And then when I was about 10 years old, the movie Eight Seconds came out uh, about Lane Frost, one of the best bull riders of all time. And first time I ever saw my dad cry was actually in that movie. It was crazy, right? So if anybody's seen that movie, one of the favorite movies ever, Lane Frost ends up passing away in the movie, sadly. And it's the first time I saw my dad cry. So in that moment... I basically decided I had to choose a route, which was I going to go down the baseball route or was I going to go down the bull riding route? So after seeing that movie, I chose, I think I'd rather get hit by a 90 mile an hour fastball than horned by a bull. So big decision for you. Yeah. That was kind of a path that I chose at about 10 or 12 was like, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to focus on some baseball. So from there, I went to Latta high school, Mm -hmm. played for Eddie Collins. He's about to become the nation's winningest high school baseball coach. So huge influence on me, changed my life, probably kept me out of jail completely changed my path and everything I did. And it was a lot how to be a man, how to go about your business, work ethic, doing the little things. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And learned a lot about the game of baseball and how to do things the right way. So from there, I went to Seminole State Junior College, uh, one of the winningest junior colleges in the history of junior colleges. And they really dove into really teaching me to go beyond any of my limits. Anything that where somebody think maybe that's impossible or maybe you can't do this. Like we pretty much got completely rid of all of that. And that was really the training that we put into place. We did 5 a.m. lifts three days a week. We ended up doing, I ran 72 poles one time for leaving a tray out in the cafeteria. We ran 13 miles one time for not playing well. I got challenged a lot. And in that moment, I started figuring out in those two years in junior college that no matter what's put in front of me, whatever challenge it is, that I can accomplish it mentally by just attacking it and embracing it. I saw a lot of guys in that moment not embracing embrace what was happening. It was too tough for them. My freshman year of junior college, we actually had 16 guys quit. We started with 43, had 16 guys quit. So we didn't have to cut anybody at the end of the fall. So it was a tough fall. It was aggressive. So the coaching staff, I mean, very hard, very consequences. I mean, tough on you, but that's not you. How'd you develop that? Yeah. So I was never the best at anything. I didn't run faster than anybody. I didn't hit further than anybody. I had to outwork everybody to Mm -hmm. give an opportunity to play. And when I went to Seminole, there was 10, 12 draft picks going into it. So I actually got told the guy I look up to the most, Eddie Collins, my high school coach actually told me not to go to Seminole 
told me to go to a couple other junior colleges because I'd probably have a better chance of playing. Playing time, yeah. I chose Seminole State because I knew they worked harder than everybody. So that's always what I've been about. It's like, hey, I want to go where everybody's working the hardest, trying to do the most and challenge myself. I don't want anything given to me. Mm -hmm. So I've never backed down from a challenge, which is one of our kind of team expectations here with Bananas. Never backed down from a challenge. So that was that part. And then, yeah, went to South Mountain Community College. That's when I got into summer ball. So from there, I coached 2012. Myrtle Beach Collegiate League was my first year coaching there. Went into the Texas Collegiate League after that. We won three TCL championships with two of my best friends, Kurt Dixon and Clay Cox. And then went to the Cape one year for legendary Coach Pickler, Scott Pickler. He's been up in the Cape Cod League with Whitey Red Sox for 21, 22 years. And awesome assistant coaches there and learned a lot from those guys. And then this is my third year with the Bananas. So moving all through that, I've come into contact with so many people that are just influential on my life and how I coach the game of baseball and how I try to influence. It's a lot bigger than the game of baseball. It teaches a lot about life. So it's a game of failure. So so is life. So you got to overcome a lot of challenges. Yeah, I want to get into that. But it's very interesting. You know, such a winning tradition. Everywhere you've been, you've won. You've learned about winning. And then you chose the bananas where being very open, I don't know if we talked about winning. No, we didn't. Uh, When you sent that first video to potentially apply, tell me about that jump for you on how you decide like, hey, Winning isn't number one here. Winning is a byproduct. Tell me about your desire to coach with the Bananas and be a part of this, which is not how most coaches or organizations have a focus. Yeah, so from my perspective, looking on the outside in, I followed for the first two years of the Bananas 2016 and 17. One of my good buddies, Sean West, was the head coach there. Phenomenal coach for the first two years. And when he wasn't able to come back, he called me and said, hey, I think you're a good fit. What do you think? And I'm like, give me some details. What do you got? You know, I'm following on social media. I see the YouTube. There's some craziness down there. But for me and connecting with you is we have a lot of things in common. Podcasts, books, Mm -hmm. just we read all the time. We're thinking about how to get better constantly and how we can challenge things, how we can just get better overall, how we can influence people. So what really drove me to want to be here is in 2017, I set a life goal to have a positive impact on 1 million people through baseball education and exercise. Mm -hmm. And with that in 2017, 17. I went to the Cape that summer in 2017. And then that fall, Sean wasn't able to come back. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of so happened that I was taking a look and Sean said, Hey, I think you'd be a good fit. And I said, you know what? They're doing things different down there. It's a huge challenge. I've been successful in the Cape, in the TCL, in collegiate baseball. I want to challenge myself. I want another challenge. I want to get out of my comfort zone in some ways. And there's not a better place in the country to do that than with the bananas. And I said, Hey, you know, I don't just want to go down there and just entertain people. I want to see if we can win on the field and dogpile on the field too. And Sean was able to do that in 2016 and just carry a winning tradition on. And, you know, that's what we've tried to do here and develop players. So it's not just one-sided here. We're trying to be the best on the entertainment side and the baseball side. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I've had so many people, Tyler, and I think I told you to say, I can never coach in your program. (laughs) And and how many times have you heard it? Yeah, millions of times. So many coaches. And so I want to get from this standpoint as a coach, how did you brace yourself and say, all right, I'm going to coach and then have an opportunity still recruit, do everything you want to do, but in a completely different system. Tell me about your mindset, because I think about the people listening here, the business owners, the entrepreneurs, they're saying, all right, we have one vision, but it's a little bit different than ours. How do we come together and do this and get buy-in from our team? Yeah, I think it's really creating that vision. And that's what you did, Jesse, when we first started talking was like, hey, I want to have fans first entertainment. That's what the business LLC is named is fans first. So let's talk about how we're going to be able to accomplish and be really successful on the fans first side of things. But I looked at it as 
dude, we can combine these things. We can collaborate and be really good on the baseball side and the development side as well. We just got to find the right guys, talk that vision with those players in the recruiting process, find the right guys. And in any business, if you find the right people, it all starts with people. So if you find the right people, they understand what the vision is when they come in in that recruiting process. And then you can kind of map it out for them. You can show it Mm -hmm. to them. Maybe that's on video and you can find the right people, but it's trusting the people. Let's talk about this. So everyone, every business is trying to recruit to find the right people. It's yep. that everyone says, we're going to find the right people. Absolutely. With this, these guys play baseball their whole life. Yep. And we're asking them to, to choreograph dances on the field, to rip off their shirts and act like ring dudes on the, the dugout, to do the YMCA dressed up like the village bananas, to dress up like Cupid Shuffle and literally do the Cupid with no shirts on and a diaper. Yeah. Things that no baseball players really ever ask. Absolutely. How do you, from a recruiting standpoint, because we haven't talked much about this, guys, this is kind of new, like, I am not involved in the recruiting at all. Everyone yeah. says, how do you get your players? I'm like, Coach Gillum, he handles it all. How do you get people that want to be a part of this? And you're saying, this is where we're going. We are fans first, entertainment, we're focusing on that. Tell me about the whole recruiting process, because I think people that are trying to get people to do something differently, yeah. I mean, dramatically differently, you have to be clear, and how are you, how are you doing that? In any business, yeah. you got to be able to show it. Starting with speaking that into existence of here it is. And that's what we film a lot of things. We yeah. have YouTube videos, yes. we have social media, yeah. so I can send those videos. But the other thing is trusting the coaches. So like from a business standpoint, yeah. trust the people that you've worked with in the yes. past that maybe have sent you good employees. I think that's important. I trust a lot of the coaches that understand who I am mm-hmm. as a person, how I am just competing and working every single day, but also what the bananas do and the entertainment side. And so those coaches that understand that, they understand what type of players that we need. So when I talk to those guys, there's usually three things that stand out from the people that I would call or the players that I would call a banana, you know, a guy that's a a Bill Leroy, a Mike Williams or an Alex Deegan, right? It's guys that are competitive and it's not just baseball competitive. They like competing and challenges. Guys that are outgoing, they're not scared to get in front of people. Maybe the guy that likes to karaoke, the guy that talks a lot in the dugout, the guy that stands out. So, and then the other thing is a guy that's self. You come into this environment and you are a selfish person person. There's a lot of things that have to happen. So those three things like uh, be selfless, be competitive and find somebody that really is not scared to get out of their shell and be outgoing. So once we set that tone, Mm -hmm. we talk to those coaches about it, but also talk to the players, Mm -hmm. former players. Scott Smith, we've got a kid from Mercer this year named Holton Magaha. He's been phenomenal. He was phenomenal at camp today. I don't think he's given up a run yet in seven innings, but I called Scott Smith, one of our former players, and I said, hey, who at Mercer fits into our culture? Who does this. So trust the players because they've been in it, the former players. So the former employees that you've had, mm. can you call your former employees and say, hey, do you got somebody that fits in our culture? They know what it looks like. They know what it takes. If they're around somebody that's maybe a good friend of theirs, yeah. that's somebody well, that can get in. Well, you know what's so key here? Think about how do you exit with former employees and former players? Yeah. So you think about it like if you have a bad exit with someone and they're upset yeah. and they're leaving, they're quitting or whatever. Good luck doing that. Yeah. And it's the whole relationship. I think about that. Our greatest people on our team, Matt Powell, Barry, did the recommendation to bring him in. And it sounds so obvious, but how do you build that? And so basically you're saying you're just building a connection. We're trying to get the best experience for the guys and then lean on them. Because we get, what, thousand applicants of players that try to play for us in here? Thousands. And then, but really you're only working on pretty much a small network. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, there is probably 75% of the team that 
it comes from coaches and players that I trust the yeah. most. Like we got Nick Clarino this yeah. year. That was Bill Leroy calling me like, hey, we got to take Nick this Clarino. Guy's a good He's a banana. Yeah. He's a banana through and through. Mike Williams last year, one of the best bananas we've had. Yes. My best friend, I called him and he said, hey, you got to take Williams. Mm-hmm. Part of the green light special, what yes. we do with inside of our system base running wise. But when I called Mike Williams the first time and I said, I already heard great things about him. I yeah. called Mike Williams and said, Mike, hey man, we're really interested in you coming to play for the Savannah Bananas next summer. And he was like, yeah, I heard about you guys. You guys are great. And he said, I got to know, though, coach, is like, if I come out there, can I have an impact on the community? I said, big boy, you're going to have the opportunity to meet so many kids Mm -hmm. and impact so many kids. And, man, he did, too. There was so many little things that Mike did. But Clay Cox was one of those guys. But we, me and Clay used to talk about OKGs all the time, our kind of guys. So that's what we look for with the Bananas. Who are our kind of guys? Yeah. And when you've had former guys that are yes. OKGs, you can lean on those guys. Same thing in a business, former great employees yes. that you've had. Maybe they've moved on to other companies, maybe bigger jobs somewhere yes. else. They know what it looks like and what it takes inside that environment. So so you almost mirror it. So like you look at a yep. Bill, Bill Leroy, who's yep. out there doing everything with the fans, every video, always having fun. You say, all right, these types of guys, Alex yep. Deegans. And so that's like, this is who we're looking for. So it helps be clear. Absolutely. That. I'm fascinated on the fact that you came in here, but then you developed first year to flip the switch. Yep. And I think, again, you said, all right, this is our team. How are we going to do this? I think there's a correlations on how you set up a script and clarity on what people's objectives are. And even if it's two different things, just share a little bit, flip the switch, what it is yeah. and maybe how it can apply. Yeah. So flip the switch is a model that we came up with yeah. that first year because I saw what we were trying to do on the entertainment side. I also want to blend that with developing baseball players and help them get to yes. Major League Baseball. So looking at trying to work those out, yeah. I think the biggest thing to be successful, no matter what you're doing yeah. in life, is daily routines and habits. So what do you do? What does it look like? Do you write every morning? Do you have a routine every morning? Do you have that script every morning? So we wrote this script out. We've got it color coded. The yellow piece is the entertainment and the green piece is the baseball side of things. Mm -hmm. And so we've got it mapped out for these guys pretty much from three o'clock to 10 o'clock every single night. When they come in, we actually communicate now through group me or there's other messaging systems that you can communicate with, with. But we try to prime the brain before they even show up to the ballpark like, hey, here's what your jobs are. And we always talk about is just do your job. Be really good at your job. Kind of still that from Belichick and the Patriots. If you're really good at doing your job, if you're being elite at doing your job that day, then we're all going to be able to function in a big unit. It's kind of like an ant pile. You got so many ants, they're all doing something. And when you can help somebody out along the way inside that script and pick up where we need to, the whole plan, the whole entertainment piece, the whole baseball piece, really very successful. Successful. And that's what we talk about, being elite. Yeah. How can you be elite every single day, competitive, outgoing, be selfless? But inside of that, in our environment, we talk about our expectations, yeah. yes. What not rules. What are our expectations? Our expectations, we have three of them. And it sums up pretty much everything that you can do. Be on time, because it's so important to be on time. There's so many things that we have to do. And we talk about being on time, ten, be 10 minutes early. And then number two is do the right thing. So that sums up so many things. Do the right thing. Is that pick up trash when there's trash in front of you? If it's sign an autograph, it's do a 
video, if it's just act the right way, play the game hard. It sums up so many things. And the last third thing is never back down from a challenge. And that goes all the way back. First riding bulls when I was 10 years old, scared to death, going to Seminole and and being at Latta and and then moving across the country 17 hours and going to coach at South Mountain Community College with no money in my pocket and trying to figure it out and never back down from a challenge. So within this environment, that happens so much. So you got to be outgoing. There's so many challenges that arise. That's a life lesson that they're going to be able to take away once they leave banana land. It's hey, you know what? There's going to be adversity. There's going to be challenges. And if you attack those challenges and you embrace those challenges, you're going to go into life and be really successful. I love the mindset of a coach. So many bosses out there and he's the president. He's managing me. We don't talk about managers yep. here. We talk, you know, your leaders, your coaches. And I think in business, you need to be more of a coach than be that. What are the things that you've seen as a coach and with your other coaches that you bring in that you really build the trust and you build the relationship with the players? Because I share with you, we were interviewing now Curtis Sproul from the Georgia Southern yeah. He interviewed 15 of the players about how they play better because they're having fun in the culture that you're building. And every single guy said, it's Tyler Gillum. It's Coach Gillum. It's the relationship I have with him. And they gave you all the credit. I don't think many bosses, managers would get that today. I don't think they get it. So what is that mindset from as a coach that you're building to this culture of trust, love? They said, love this guy. I love you. I mean, yeah. it was really strong. And not many businesses have that. Share what you, how you're bringing that together. I think it goes back to two things. My high school coach had an unbelievable influence on me. It changed my path. I could have went down a way negative path and he really changed my path. And I think it goes back to players don't care what you know till they know how much you care. And the same way with employees. Yeah. What are you doing to let your employees know that you care about them and then when there's jobs to be done and you need them to be productive they're going to jump out there if you never talk to them if you never ask them about family if you don't ask them about their boyfriend or girlfriend or what's going on in our life school and all of that yeah. stuff i think a lot of coaches go into it and the first thing they want to talk about is like hey how are we going to change your pitching mechanics how are we going to change how you feel the ground ball or how you're hitting and they don't even know the kid's last name or middle name or who their girlfriend is or any of that stuff so the first two weeks when we get here we do so much of trying to create relationships leading up to even before they get here with text messages and everything else. You tell your assistant coaches, I remember you said yeah. you tell them not to actually, what do you tell them? Exactly? Yeah. So like the first couple of weeks, we, the first three days before the players arrive, we have a coaches meeting. We go over every player that's on the roster. Mm-hmm. This is where they're from. Here's some background information that I know about them. So I want the coaches to be able to have a conversation with mm-hmm. them. And then those first two weeks, I say, Hey, we're not coaching any baseball stuff until we figure out who they are. What is their swing about? Let's learn who they are as a swing. Why do they swing like that? Example, David Mendham. He's huge David Ortiz fan. So I'm figuring out his swing because I know who he really idolizes. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I'm seeing those connections. What is he trying to do? So many coaches try to go in day one and like, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. The kid's 20 years old. He's been doing something for so long. He doesn't even trust you yet. You have to build trust before anything starts to change when it comes to something that's so sacred to them because they've been working on this thing for their entire life. Yeah. I mean, they want to be successful. They want to get to the big league. So if you're trying to change something right off the bat and they don't even know who you are, it doesn't go first. So take it from a couple coaches that I learned from is coach the person first and Mm -hmm. then coach the player. So many times in, in coaching and could be in the business world too, is we're not coaching the person first. We gotta coach the person first. Once we create that foundation of who they are, we create trust and then it's a lot easier talking about, hey, let's try this with your swing or let's try this with your pitching mechanics.
mechanics. And I think that's so big. Create the foundation. But I tell our coaches the first couple of weeks, I don't care about how much knowledge you know on hitting, pitching, and all that. We'll get to all that before anything happens, before we change anything. We have to get to know these guys. We have to create trust. Mm-hmm. They got to know we care about them. So two things, again, they don't care what you know until they know how mm-hmm. much you care. And the other thing is the people that we love the most, that are our favorite teachers, coaches, bosses, whoever that is, they loved us first. So we got to let these players know that we love them before we talk about any baseball yeah. stuff. So if they know that it's, it's not what the employees can do for you, it's what you can do to actually care for them first. And then everything else takes care of itself. And I think yeah. as I'm guilty, it's like, hey, we need to go to this. We need to go to this. But do they even know that you know them. And I think that's yeah. so important. You mentioned Tim Corbin earlier as a yeah. as an influence. Tell me something you learned from him. Man, Corbin is one of the most influential people I've been around mm-hmm. from the outside. I'll tell you two things that I've learned from him that's always stuck. Yeah, he's the head coach of Vanderbilt. He's head coach of Vanderbilt. Yeah. He's a legend in yeah. college yeah. baseball. So many people have taken things away from him. But early in my career, I heard him talk about he was really emotional with his body language in the third base box. So he's coaching third base. He's giving signs like kid misses a bunt, big body language, bad body mm-hmm. language, right? Something negative happens, bad body language. And what we don't realize is how our body language, it doesn't whisper, it screams. Body language screams. So what does our body language look like every single day? And how does that influence the people that are around us? We all have this energy around us. It's either positive energy or negative energy. You're going to be an energy giver or an energy vampire. So with all of those things, what is our body language telling every single day? Because it's probably about 90% of our communication. And so what he did was film himself in the third base box and he watched himself with these mannerisms and body language that he had and said, hey, you know what? I'm not helping my guys. My guy wants to get a bunt down. Now he's worried about how I feel if I'm going to jerk him out of the game or whatever. So his mental psychology just completely changed because of my body language. So I got to get my body language together a little bit. The other thing that I took away from him was in January of 2017, we're in Anaheim for ABCA National Baseball Convention. And he just lost one of his players and it was a pitcher. And one of his pitchers just had a tragic accident, passed away. And the year before that, they ended up winning a national championship. So he was talking about two things was the difference between celebration and devastation. And it's two ends of the spectrum, right? And we all probably go through both of these at some point in our lives because there's peaks and valleys in life. So he was talking about at celebration, we won the national championship. All these things were going great. We were riding the high wave. It was like two weeks of doing all these great things, all these talks, podcasts, interviews. And he was like, you know, at some point it was like, man, I wanted to go back to normal a little bit, go back to my routine, get back to the norm. That's kind of what happens when we go on vacation mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes we go on vacation for two weeks. And it's like, back. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to get back and get back in my routine yeah. of things. And then he talked about on the other end of that spectrum, devastation and, and grief is one of those biggest mm-hmm. devastations. Yeah. And but we've all lost somebody or we've went through something that's really terrible. And it's tough to get through those moments. And again, in the same moment of celebration, we're here in devastation and our goal is to get back to the middle. And that's what he always talks about is get back to the middle. So many times we're in these peaks and valleys and we're going through maybe a valley right now in our society and culture in America right now with fighting COVID. And how can we get back to the middle, get back to the norm, get back to all of these things, be a solution going forward. And I always took that away. That happened 2017 mm-hmm. in January. And man, I've still got it on video. I still share it with mm-hmm. multiple people. It's celebration or devastation, figure out how to get back to the middle. And that's the same thing in baseball too. Mm-hmm. You got to play the game pitch by pitch. Yeah. There's things that don't go well and there's things that go well, but you got to get back to the middle. Yeah. I love that the, the being in the middle. And also, I mean, we talk about this here. We're always on stage and yeah. you talk about how he got filmed himself. I wonder if every leader, every manager, every business owner there 
film themselves throughout a day when something bad happens. Yeah. What's their reaction? Yeah. And I'm guilty of it. I am kind of that roller coaster ride. But I watch you in three years. Now, polar opposite, Sean West. Love him. Amazing. Fire. Uh, fire. Love him. He had the best ejections I've ever seen in baseball. I mean, he was all over the internet. The you, best. The best. But you, zero ejections. And I watch the guys and they don't go too crazy. They don't yell. They stay, have fun. And they're focused and it's a good time. They feed off that. And I think that's so important because I realize people can tell with me. I'm very out there. If I'm upset with something, everyone can know. And that's something I think I need to improve. If I turn the camera on myself, which again, there's cameras all the time, that's something to notice. But you've been able to maintain that. And that's so big for the culture. I want to finish a few things here quickly. Recognition. It's become a big part of your system. Talk a little bit about how you've done it with your inner team to really build almost the kind of the mindset of we're going to continue to do things better and be recognized for the good and not necessarily in trouble for the bad. Yeah, I think I learned a lot of that from you too in, in recognition and figure out instead of pointing out, I think in business, or in a team setting, we always point out things that are negative and it makes it more of a negative environment when we're always pointing those things out. So how can we praise in a group and then criticize one-on-one? I think that happens so much better and there's so much carryover in the right direction, right? And I learned a lot of that from you, but I learned it too when I was at South Mountain. I had a couple scenarios. One of them was in the weight room. It was the first year I was coaching strength and conditioning and I had a player in the squat rack and he wasn't going low enough and the technique wasn't great. And I yelled at him across the room, Mm. right? All the guys can hear it. It was a negative environment. Mm. He didn't respond to it very well. The squat wasn't very good after that. Me and him had a blow up after that. So I always remember that situation. His name's Matt Lawfer. He's a kid from Hawaii. Mm. I never forget that because I completely changed in that Mm. moment. So I said, this didn't work out. I got to do something different. How can I positively influence that? And one was, how can we prehab some of those problems? Mm -hmm. How can we prehab some of those problems and teach better Mm -hmm. instead of rehab all of those problems on the backside? So any of these negative things that we have going on inside of our business, can we prehab all all of those behaviors before those problems even happen. So it's prehab versus rehab. We rehab too many things in our culture in America, if it's drug addiction, alcohol, whatever it is. So anyway, prehab it. So what I learned from that too is criticize one-on-one. Hey, put your arm around them. Hey, what's going on, man? You doing all right? Hey, let's go back to the drawing board. And this is what we talked about day one. So I needed to teach better on the squat form day one. I didn't do that then. I do that now. I haven't had one of those blowups in the weight room Mm. in like five years. Mm. So it's completely changed, but I learned a lot of that from you. The other thing is recognize in the crowd. We all want recognition everywhere. Like we want to feel good about ourselves. We want people to say, you've been doing a great job. Mm. So how can we do that? And that's where we came up with the flip the switch shirts. Mm. When our players inside Banana Land, they do a great job on the entertainment side Mm. and the baseball side, they get a flip the switch shirt. This year we ended up creating like logo socks of the bananas. They're sweet. The guys can wear them on the field. So guys are getting those socks. They're earning those socks based off of being on time, never backing down from a challenge and do the right thing. So we point out those things and recognize those things. But also anytime that we can recognize guys and put those things out there within a group, more people want that recognition. So that's how you change that culture. I think a lot of times, and you see that a lot, but I learned a lot of that from you. I love it. I mean, I've learned a lot from you over the last three years. And I think it's so amazing how well we work 
together and it's over communication. It's literally discussing where we're trying to go with everything. And most front offices don't have the same relationship. And it's a testament to in any business that you're in, there's also often silos. One group's doing this, one group's doing this, but your coaching staff's after the game. You know, we're talking about the fans' first moments. We're all giving each other shout outs. We're a part of that. We're in the pre meetings before with the team and we're talking about that. That's how you build the cohesiveness. And we've seen that. And I think, Tyler, it's going to be fun to watch you as you're starting to give a lot more podcasts and a lot more talks. But is there just one quick win to finish it? One quick win where someone can be more like a coach as a leader in the business world and do it differently? Yeah, I think if you had one thing that you could point out and it would just go back to it's all about the people. That's the main thing. It's all about the people. How can you create those relationships to start with? And once you create those relationships, anything can happen. If you figure out who that person is, what their goals are, Mm -hmm. how they can be a part of what you're trying to grow give them ownership Mm -hmm. in a lot of times like that's how we get a lot of buy-in here with the bananas like ask these guys what they want to do how they want to do it make it organic in a lot of ways let them be a part of that conversation how many times in a business are we able to let those people be a part of the conversation and if you let them take ownership and responsibility then they'll run with it the last thing i'll say with all of that is how do you create a business that stands out among everybody else that's completely different than everybody else from recognition, from the environment. You always want productivity. How do you get more productivity? And I think the great thing that's here with the bananas that we've been able to do for players is our host families are unbelievable. These guys, we have six different jerseys. Who has that in summer baseball? We've got locker rooms. We've got pregame and postgame meals that are unbelievable. The CPL competition's unbelievable. Trackman is here. The awesome city. Through and through, there's so many things. They get free hair cuts in town you know mm-hmm. how can you create a business that stands out and people will talk about it constantly mm-hmm. once you create a business that stands out that are doing things different mm-hmm. then from there you hardly even have to recruit anymore. Mm-hmm. It recruits itself. Yeah, and we've seen that. And it's all about creating that experience. And I'll say from you, it's about, I love how you said, coach the people and focus on the people. And I think if we start focusing more on the people and everyone does that, it's going to make a big difference. So Tyler, it has been a ball. I know you're going to start hearing from more and more sharing the crazy things you're doing here. We didn't get into the craziness. We didn't no. get into the ridiculous. We stayed straight, but I think it's important. And I'll tell you this, and, and I love you, man. I love working with you. Man. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate you. All right, excellent. There, That's a wrap right there for season three with the the man, the myth, the legend, Tyler Gillum, head coach of the Bananas. And Tyler, where can people find you? I know you're strong on Twitter. Yeah, at Gillum13 is all social media there. Yes. Shoot, if anybody wants to even send me a text, I take phone calls all the time. 602-370-7649. Tyler.Gillum at SouthMountainCC.edu. Reach out to me if I can help anybody. I'd love to. There he is. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite, and that standing out is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered on this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.